Welcome to another week of Coffee and Conversations here at Village Bible Church. Coffee and Conversations aims to answer difficult questions and address hard topics using a biblical perspective. So we use God's Word as our guide and as our truth as we walk through this life together. And I'm just so excited to sit down with you today and look at what God's Word has to tell us about our struggles and our doubts and our questions. So go ahead and grab a cup of coffee and come join us and let's dive in. I'll pray for us to start, and then we'll get into it. So, dear Lord, thank you so much for another wonderful day to meet and just chat about you and the things that you have for us in your word. Thank you for this group of girls that we've um, continually grown with this year, especially over quarantine when we've all needed some extra support and friendship and encouragement. Um, Help Shelby and I to say the right things about marriage today um, and just encourage all these lovely ladies about their future marriages. Amen. Okay, so um, to start, we are not experts. I've been married for two years. Shelby's been married for five. We don't know everything. We are the farthest thing from knowing everything. But Riley asked us to just share what we've learned, um, share what the Lord has shown us, and just to give you guys some insight. Our goal is that you leave today with kind of a realistic understanding of what marriage is, So if you think that marriage is being the princess of your household, um, no, (laughs) that's not how it goes. Um, And then if you think marriage is the opposite, it's super hard and it's like this chore all the time, that's not true either. So it's really fun, but it's also hard. So hopefully we can show you guys um, the little mix that we've learned about in our lives um, and just kind of give you a realistic view of that. We're going to start by telling you our little relationship stories. One, so you get to know us a little bit better too because it's really cute and we're talking about marriage so we're going to tell you um and then we'll look at what the lord has and then if you have questions and then we have some other just random little bits of advice for you so do you want to start with your story yeah okay here we go so, dustin and i met when i was 16 and he he is almost six years older than me so he at the time he was 21 22 and we worked at chick-fil-a together Um, I was on the front line and he was back in the kitchen cooking the fries and at the time I had another boyfriend I think he was dating someone Um, so I did not even look at him that way but that's just kind of like where we met each other and we were both homeschooled and everyone in the homeschool world knows each other so like I've kind of always known about him because he played basketball and I did too Um, and probably about a year-ish later he randomly shows up at my church with one of his friends who invited him Um, who went to my church and I was like hey I know you and (laughs) after he came we all like went out to lunch afterwards and the rest was history he ended up taking me out on a little date we went to Christmas at the zoo on December 15th 2013 and I remember the date, <laughs> 2013. Oh my gosh, um, almost the, that I know, I know. <laughs> and so we went out there, but so at the time I was 17 and he's 20, he's old. So <laughs> my, when he asked, for, he did ask my dad permission to date me, and my dad did tell him no because he wanted me to wait until I graduated high school and was 18. Um, so Dustin did wait. I mean, we still did like, group stuff and like I went to his parents house and like he came over to my house um so once I turned 18 then we were like a Facebook official um (laughs) 
And then on December 15th, 2014, so exactly a year later, he proposed to me. And five months later, we got married. So it was very, pretty quick. Pretty quick, yeah. But, you know, if you know, you know. My dad even told him, because when, when Dustin asked my dad, like, hey, you know, have the marriage talk, my dad was like, okay, what, like, what time frame are you thinking? And Dustin was like, maybe like three, like two years, like, you know, get a better job, this, this, and this. And my dad was like, why wait? Like, you know, if you know, you know, like, why have mm -hmm. temptation there and have, you know, like, just work together, why wait? So we got married in five months. <laughs> I like it. So David and I met when we were five. Um, yeah, very different. So, I knew. He did not know. I have had a crush on David my entire life. Um, uh, you know how, like, especially when you're in middle school, and like, you have a crush on all the guys, right? You always have, like, the one dude that's, like, the top of your list, and you're like, this is the guy. And then the other ones, like, kind of rotate, and you never forget about the one. That was David. Um, we met when we were five. My family started going to Southside, and our grandmas lived three doors down from each other and so we spent like Sunday afternoon lunches and like weekends jumping back and forth between houses with all of our siblings it was really fun um our family's kind of lost touch end of middle school high school that sort of thing I was in a, a relationship starting my junior year of high school he proposed in college sometime I don't remember when and then um he broke up with me uh my junior year of college and then that summer, I took an internship in Columbus, Indiana at the Cummins headquarters. And my parents live in Plainfield, so it's a really long drive every morning. So I asked my grandma, who lives in Greenwood, the same one who lives a couple doors down from David's grandma, hey, can I live with you this summer? I have an internship in Cummins. She's like, of course, this will be great. So the first night I'm over there, and we're eating dinner on the deck, and we look over at Susie's pool, and there's a dog running around, and someone's playing really weird music. And she was like, <laughs> let's just go see who's over at Susie's. So we went and like hopped backyards and crashed the pool. And then David and his friend were there and his grandparents got home. And we all just kind of hung out and you know, the rest is history. So we started dating June 14th of 2017. Officially, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then he proposed in January of 2018. So June to January. He proposed at the airport after I got off the plane from a two-week trip in Brazil. So that was really cute. He did like the big mm -hmm. sign and everything. It was adorable. And then um, we got married in August of that year. So June, like a year and two months, went from dating to married. And like Shelby said, you just you just know, right? And I've talked about this before. Um, meeting David and like walking in, in his grandma's backyard, it was just like, oh, this is it. Like I'm done, right? Like this is it. This is the one. So we just got married really fast. I, I totally felt that. Like when Dustin walked yep. into my church, like after not seeing him for a year. And I get in the car with my family, you know, and my mom was like, who was that guy that you were talking to? He was really cute, you know, like, like talking about him. And, yeah, I was like, huh? and I was literally just thinking to myself, like, I'm going to marry him one day. <laughs> that's literally like, that's the one. Yeah. The one. And then the fact that my mom was all like, he's cute. My dad's like, you know, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's our stories. So you know a little bit about us, I guess. Um, so we're going to start looking at the Bible, what the Bible says. We're going to start in Genesis. Genesis 2. Verses 18 through 24. And this is, we thought it would be good to start with God's original plan for marriage before sin was introduced, before Satan started causing problems, um, to see what God's um, plan was for all of our marriages. So verses 18 through 24. Would someone like to read them for us? I would love to. 
Macy would love to. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay. So what do you think that says about God's plan for marriage? What he thinks about it? What his thought process was? <clears throat> think one thing for sure is that it's supposed to be like working together. Mm -hmm. like Adam and <clears throat> yes. So in verse, let's see, where did it go? In verse 18, it says, my translation says, I will make a helper suitable for him. Others say comparable to him. The original Hebrew of that particular word is closer to the word complementary. And if you remember complementary colors from like elementary school art class, right? Complementary colors are the ones that are opposite each other on the color wheel. So one is warm and one is cool. Like each one has what the other lacks. So they, they work together. You know what I mean? So you're supposed to be different. You're, right? That's why marriage is a man and a woman. You're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to think the same way. You're not supposed to be the same thing. Um, and I think that we forget that sometimes, right? You like... You're looking for the your perfect soulmate, and they're going to like everything that you like. No, they won't. They're going to do everything that you do. No, they won't. They're going to feel everything that you feel. No, they won't. Um, and that's fine. Your helper, your partner, your whoever is supposed to be complementary to you. So they're supposed to bring out the best in you. You're supposed to bring out the best in them, and you're supposed to encourage the best in them and vice versa. Does that make sense? Okay. The other thing... Um, it says in verse 18 is it's not good for the man to be alone so very early on god noticed that we need community right so we've talked about loneliness before um but god decided the best way to do community for us to feel um together is to have a lifelong partner i know that last week we said marriage shouldn't be the goal and it shouldn't it really shouldn't um but it is really cool that one of the things god planned for us is to have a lifelong partner what else do you see in this in this passage? I put down, um, I think it's really cool how it's like only a few verses in, mm -hmm. two chapters in, a few verses in, and um, it's already talking about marriage. So like clearly God has a great purpose for marriage because it's already talking about it. So like verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Um, so I was kind of thinking like <clears throat> with marriage, it's not just for fun. It's not just for us to enjoy in this life, but it's to glorify God. Mm -hmm. And um, what do you guys think are some ways that a marriage could possibly and potentially glorify God. Do you have any ideas or thoughts on that? Like how, how can a marriage glorify God? I think in some ways like the relationship that like a husband or wife has kind of reflects like our relationship with God. Um, mm -hmm. So it just kind of helps us discover like more about God and show people 
how like God's love is and how like committed He is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very practical application of the way God loves the church. Um, that's the way a husband's supposed to love his wife, right? And we're gonna look at that passage in Ephesians too, but that's the whole point of marriage is to have a practical, physical example of what God loving the church and vice versa is in this lifetime. So, yeah, very neat. The other thing, um, I think is pretty interesting. Verse 23, it says, she's now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And it says, um, in 24, it says they become one flesh. They're united together. So, um, I don't know what you guys think about marriage. I don't know what you feel about marriage. Um, but if you've ever been concerned that, right, you're just going to be walked over as a Christian woman in a relationship, this literally says he's supposed to take care of you as himself, right? And you're not going to throw yourself under the bus. I mean, self, right, um, self-esteem issues with girls aside. You're not going to throw yourself under the bus, right? So your husband isn't supposed to throw you under the bus. So right from the beginning, God's plan is that they take care of each other as themselves, and it's this encouraging togetherness thing. The other thing I think is important to mention as we start this chat, marriage was created by God, so Satan is after it, right? And immediately the next chapter is the fall, (laughs) and the next chapter is Satan making problems in marriage, and causing issues. Um, so if you if you want to get married because you want to have kids, if you want to get married because you want to have sex, if you want to get married so you can leave your parents' house, if you want to get married so that you can make pancakes on Saturday morning in your pajamas, which is really fun, um, you don't want to get married. You want the, you, you just want to do whatever you want, right? That's not what marriage is. Marriage is hard, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, um, and you have to be willing to fight for it. The divorce rate right now is right around 50%. 50%! That's nuts! Like, ugh. you have to be willing to fight for your marriage immediately. And that does not mean, like, fight against your husband, right? But Satan is coming after it, and he comes after your marriage in different ways for every person. Um, but it comes on so fast. I wasn't, I, so I knew marriage would be hard but I didn't realize how hard and fast Satan would come for my marriage. Mm. It is so easy to overlook that. So if you are not ready for marriage, if you're not ready to have the hard conversations and work with it, and y'all that don't like conflict, there will be conflict. You can't, right, you can't love your partner enough that you don't fight. You can't love, you know, Dustin enough that you're not going to be frustrated when he puts his dirty clothes on the floor sometimes. You're just going to hit a limit gonna have a discussion it's gonna be frustrating right but you have to be willing to work through that or just compromise and pick up the shorts that are on the floor and throw them in the laundry basket you know um but that's something that I I don't think I was told Satan is coming for your marriage right it's this wonderful thing that God has created so if you aren't ready to work hard for your marriage it is going to fail I have friends that got married just over a year ago they're already divorced and there's a whole bunch of he said she said whatever bottom line they weren't ready They didn't understand what marriage was. They didn't understand that it's hard. They didn't understand that they have to do it together and be selfless, which we'll talk about later. But it is hard. So I don't know if that says that, but the picture of Satan immediately, the next verse, the next chapter, and I don't think it was a coincidence that that's the next thing God put in the Bible. Satan's coming for it. So as you are in this period of your life where you're thinking about boyfriend, engagement, wedding, marriage, be ready, right? It's going to be super fun. I don't want to like take that away but it's going to be super fun but it's also going to be hard and Satan's coming for it okay on that somber note <laughs> um so let's go to Ephesians 
Ephesians 5. Obviously, oh, I forgot to say this. We're not as skilled at this as Riley is. <laughs> so she has, like, nice little transitions, and she's really good. We are ever. <laughs> just a little bit winging it. She's great. Yeah, Ephesians 5. It's the passage that makes everybody cringe. We're going to look at it. <laughs> yep, again. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33. Who would like to read it for us? All right, Maddie's going to read. 21 through 33. It's just the end of the chapter. For 21? Yes. Yeah. What? Mine is yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music. Are you in Ephesians? Yeah. She's like, she started at like verse 18. Oh. Gotcha. Verse 18. 18. I just didn't want to start in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> It does start in the middle of the sentence. It does start in the middle of the sentence. Okay. Giving thanks Go for it. <laughs> everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body, now as the church submits to Christ. So also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, <coughs> without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but like holy, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each of you, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to, re is to respect her husband. Okay, so we've looked at this before, right? We've looked at this in the context of what is the wife's, or what is a woman's role in a Christian life, um, but in the context of marriage, what do you think about this passage? Or what do you have questions about? Or what do you not understand? I just feel like it's, um, it's it's a big chunk, but it's like so informative because it's basically just like a guide. Like mm -hmm. pretty much everything you would have questions about or like yeah. need to know. Like this is what you should Yeah, the little title header in mine is is instructions for Christian households. So that's exactly what it is. So um, this is a highly controversial passage, I feel like. Um, but it's very informative. And when you are, I don't know about you, but when you're looking in your life and your marriage and you're trying to apply these things, the harder you are to apply this instead of trying to figure it on your own, everything is yes yes so much better and it it's a little weird and we'll kind of look at it but it's so much better so we're gonna look at the instructions for wives so verses 22 through 24 um 
specifically, you're supposed to submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So let's think about how we love the Lord, right? We look to him for guidance. We share our thoughts with him. We share our um, concerns, things that were frustrated. We share everything with the Lord. And we look to him for leadership and decision-making help and all of those things, right? That's what you're supposed to do with your husband, right? It doesn't mean that you're supposed to be this meek little mouse running around and that your husband makes all the decisions for your household and that he decides absolutely everything and you sit in a corner and just do his bidding. No, that is absolutely false, um, right? So he represents your household when you go places. He um, right, is, I guess, the head decision maker. That doesn't mean that you don't have opinion. That doesn't mean that you don't have authority. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're supposed to like submit to an abusive relationship or to a dictatorship in your own household. That is not what this is saying at all. And if that's something that you think that this is saying, then we can have a conversation about it later. But the Lord is just saying, wives, let your husbands lead because I've given them instructions to lead, which are the next several verses. And really, the husbands have a lot more instructions than the wives do. And if you think about it, David and I have talked about this a lot. Husbands and men have so much responsibility. So much. They provide for the house. They set the tone for the house. They are the example of Christ-like living. They are the example of what being a father is like and how to love each other, right? So if you and, and if you think about people that have um, daddy issues, right? And I know that's kind of a weird phrase to use in a biblical setting like this, but whatever those issues stem from, it's because they're the the man in the house isn't leading like Christ leads, you know. So they have so much responsibility. It's our job to just let them do it because God has given them the, the mentality to do it and the responsibility to do it. So that's all that this is saying is let the husband lead. It's not saying that you are supposed to stay underneath his foot, right? No, not at all. Make sense? And the reason he says that is in the next several verses. Husbands, love your wife just as, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her all of the things, it just keeps going on, of all these things that he's supposed to do to care for you. And I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at what I want my husband to be like, if he's exactly all of these things, I should have no issue saying, yeah, you can lead. Like, that's great. I'll just, like, do some laundry and you can make the big decisions. This is awesome. And that's not to say that women can't do big things, but he literally gives them a guide on what they're supposed to do. Husbands should be ready and willing to love and serve you. So we should be ready and willing to let them do that. Does that make sense? Does anybody have issues with that passage? No? Okay. Cool. I have a little, go little, little jot down yes. from that. Um, so wives to submit to your husbands. I've, I've had many friends and just acquaintances through life um, that aren't Christians but kind of know the Bible and no verses so that the verse of like submit to your husband <clears throat> that this world today is kind of all oh men and women should be equal and and yes like women can do great things <laughs> but with the whole submitting thing um so you got wife submit to your husband but look what like it asks husbands to do for us so like verse mm -hmm. 25 husbands <clears throat> so i put where yeah verse 25 husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So if you think about how much Christ loves the church and loves us, so we are the church, like 
he wants husbands to love us that much. Um, and then verse 27, it talks about that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing uh, without blemish. So husbands need to treat us so well that we are without blemish. Mm-hmm. Um, and just if you guys think about it, when when are you in your best state? What No matter like what, <clears throat> marriage, dating, whatever, just like in general, you are your best when you're treated with, you know, mm-hmm. the most respect and like, um, so, I mean, I know I am <laughs> yep. when my, when my husband's doing what he's supposed to be doing, <laughs> taking care and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it just kind of, you know, you feed off each other at that point. So that's some, something cool. I'd jot down with that. We're at, we're at our best when we're treated well. Yeah. And so something else cute that I'm going to say, um, I got this Bible, I don't know, a while ago. Riley had this Bible and I was like, I love it. I need to use it too. So I ordered it and David got to the package before I did and opened it up. Turn to this verse, and verse 25, he underlined and wrote, I love you, Andrea, David, before I even mm-hmm. looked at the Bible, before I touched it, and so then when we were in, I know, isn't it so cute? <laughs> <laughs> so before I even looked at the Bible, he was like, I need to make sure she knows that I just love her, and no. that's... Wait, what verse was that that you highlighted? Verse 25. Mm-hmm. Husbands, yep. love your wives, yep. just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yep. So... Marriage is really cute, <laughs> and it's really fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was cute. I thought I would share it with you. Yeah. Um. Me too. It's adorable. <laughs> um, so we're gonna look at yeah, we're gonna look at uh, Philippians two next. Yeah. So, so this is something I kind of wanted to touch on. I was engaged at eighteen and married at nineteen. So I did everything. I mean, like literally right out of high school. Very, very young. I grew up in church. <laughs> my whole life. Um, and, and before I got married, I know it was all pretty quick, like my engagement and, and everything. We got married young and no one ever told me really, um, I guess that marriage is hard. And this is, I'm not trying to be like, you know, don't get married. Like it's the worst. Like it's not, it's amazing. It's awesome. But no one ever like, I guess said that to me. And they're all like, oh, it's all rainbows and butterflies. It'll be like the perfect pancakes on Saturday morning, which I don't think we've ever done. <laughs> but anyways, so, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to get on and wrap that now. Um, so I wanted to kind of draw it back to being selfish and like selfishness because we can apply this to any area. So marriage, boyfriends, friends, parents, mm-hmm. acquaintances at work. Um, so does someone want to read Philippians 2, 1 through 4, which I need to flip there too. I can read it. Okay. Uh, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction of, and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Yeah, so putting others first, and this is like kind of a cliche thing, because like, it's, it's like an obvious as a Christian, like uh, putting others first, but their needs and their wants 
it's always going to have a better ending. And one day when you guys find yourself marriage and in a trial, um, a conflict comes up, it's in that moment, it is so hard to not just be selfish and be like, I'm right, it's my way or the highway. You know, when you die to yourself and become selfless and show Christ's love to your spouse, to your friend, to your parent, um, life is just so much better. And that was the, what I struggled with my first year or two years of marriage. Like I said, got married at 18, lived with mom and dad, and boom, I married and we fight it. We are we argued about every little thing. And I just looking back, I wish I would have died to myself. It's not that big a deal that the thermostat is set this or that, you know, the it looks like all the extra little sweatshirt in the morning. Yeah. Just like all the little things. Like life is so much better when you just show Christ's love and be selfless and die to yourself. Um another verse. Did you have anything? Yeah, so being selfless, and this is something that I really, really struggle with because my Enneagram type is a two. I'm a helper. That is, like, that's my first thought when I'm doing things. Like, I literally got here and I was like, oh, the the village t-shirts. Like, we're at David's parents this weekend. I should see if they all want t-shirts because they haven't been here in a while. So I literally texted them. These are their (laughs) t-shirts. Like, (laughs) helping. And when I go over to their house, I, like, take out their trash because they have ten kids and they're doing all this stuff, right? So... My first thought all the time is helping others, making sure others don't feel a burden or any of those things. Y'all that know me know that. And that, so that was, that was part of my wedding planning, right? I wanted to make sure everyone had snacks, something to drink at all times so that everyone's attitudes and emotions could be at their best. And then that all my bridesmaids felt comfortable, you know? So my first thought is other people all the time. That gets me into trouble because I forget about myself. Being selfless, like Shelby said, Mm -hmm. does not mean that you need to neglect yourself, especially Mm -hmm. in a marriage. You are a vital part of a functioning marriage. So neglecting yourself in order to be selfless is completely backwards. You can't do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can't like, I don't don't even have a good example, but that concept, and it applies all the time, right? I really, really struggled with this in college because I I had a bunch of jobs and I was in a bunch of leadership roles and a bunch of classes and I was always the leader of a group project and all the things, right? So I was constantly doing things for other people, doing stuff for other people, and I was burnt out, completely wiped. It was awful. Um, My worst semester, I got maybe an hour or two of sleep every night. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) So if you are in a place where, where you're like me and your first thought is helping others so much that you get yourself into an issue, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's also, when you are selfless, being a selfless person or trying to be selfless or practicing being selfless does not mean that you cease to exist as an individual with needs. Does that make sense? So if Shelby needs something, right? So, okay, I did this on purpose so that we talked about this. I have the wobbly table. <laughs> I absolutely loathe wobbly tables. They're horrible. But, and here's, I literally went through this in my brain and I did it on purpose so that I could use it as an example. Shelby is pregnant. <laughs> it is way harder to control your emotions while you're pregnant Very true. and to control your attitude and be positive about things and be kind about things and overlook little things. So in my brain, I'm like, I would have been so pissed if, I had <laughs> if somebody knew it and they gave it to me and I would just be so mad. So, and I primarily did it for the purpose of this example, but I have the wobbly table That's because if, in 40 years, it's not going to matter. In 40 years, you're not going to remember that I had the wobbly table and Shelby didn't. Maybe you will and use it as an example or something. But, you know, being selfless is little things like this 
but it's never it should never get to a point that you neglect yourself while you're being selfless especially in a marriage mm-hmm. because you are a vital part of that marriage i know i said that phrase earlier um and I, I don't have a good example of that um but it's a concept that i think a lot of because a lot of you are kind and selfless and helpful and you look at others first for those things um, and you want to be kind and loving to others um but that's something that you can and i would advise that you do start practicing now mm-hmm. Um, because it gets me into so much trouble. Our first, here's an example. Our first several months of marriage, I, we both worked full time. So we'd both get home from work and I'd be like, I gotta clean everything, right? So I gotta clean stuff and like make dinner and then put all the dishes away. And then by that time it's like, dang, I have to go to bed now. And then we'd wake up, go to work, do the same thing. And David was like, we don't get to hang out. Like, do you want to hang out? Do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to do something? I'm like, clean the dishes like I have to make sure that our like our apartment is clean because you like clean apartments right and he's like yeah but the dishes can wait a day if that means we get to watch a movie you know so me being selfless and trying to like do a lot of things for David I wasn't I didn't get to hang out with him a lot I didn't get to spend time with him I know that's not the best example but that's a decent one so selfless is great yeah. but watch yourself it's very easy it, it, is, it. it is a very fine you know, mm-hmm. being selfless and dying to yourself to serve your spouse. It's or, good. It's great. It's, it's great. And you need to do that. But also your spouse needs you to be in the right mindset and needs you to be not stressed out, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. so also focusing on yourself too. So there is a fine line with that. Um, another verse that I found, um, Ecclesiastes, sorry to say about Ecclesiastes, yeah. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. It says the value of a friend um, which I think this is also, oh, that's so good. I know this is like, well, it's labeled in my Bible or I, I mean, you can put it in the value of a boyfriend, the value of a spouse, the value of a fiance, of a, of a parent. Um, I'll just read it real quick. So it's nine verse, sorry, chapter four, verse nine through 12. So the value of a friend, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold threefold cord is not quickly broken. So that's a little fun verse that I think could be also applied to marriage. You know, you're a team. You work together, um, but also a friendship can can be that way too. Yeah, in verse 12 it says a cord of three strands is not mm-hmm. quickly broken. The third strand, in case you missed it, yeah, is God. Yes. So a marriage that is rooted in God has God as, um, you know, the center of their marriage. Yeah. It's not going to be broken up easily. It's going to take a lot for Satan to mess with that marriage. Yeah, definitely when you're, I don't know how many people out here have boyfriends or anything or single, but... Definitely find someone who's a Christian <laughs> because yeah. I've had friends who are Christians and they have dated people who are unbelievers and it's just, it's not, it's not good. It can, you know, you can make, maybe make it work, but it's going to be a lot of trial and hardships because then the husband's not there who knows the Bible and knows like, oh, I need to be treating my wife this way yeah. and loving her like Christ loves yeah. the church. So. And this doesn't mean that our husbands are perfect or that yeah. we are perfect. <laughs> Um, but these are the things that we are constantly striving to attain every time we fail. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. My last thing I had was just like, does anyone have any random questions about marriage? Anyone want to know some like 
stories or I don't know. <laughs> does it, who all does anyone have boyfriends out here? Okay. Okay. Um, how many kids do you want? Oh, okay. Um, I want, so I'm pregnant with my third. I would want maybe like one or two more because I've always wanted a big family, but Dustin's like, he's done. <laughs> he's done after this one. I mean, maybe I kind of traumatized him because we have, they're like, I have a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and then about to have a newborn. So they're all really close in age. So it is kind of hectic at our house. Which we, doesn't sound like a lot, we, but it's a lot. It, yeah. It's, you know, we don't have much, uh. Dustin and I time right now just because it's yeah our house is yeah it's hectic and but it's fun I love it <laughs> we texted them one night and we're like hey do you guys want to go to dinner and Shelby's like yes let me get a center I was like let me find a babysitter hold on <laughs> it was great so I want like four or five but I'd be I'd be content with just three because that's what yeah. Dustin wants so yes I have no idea <laughs> um so for a while I was like I want a ton of kids uh but David's parents have 10 kids and their house is crazy. I would, so my thing when I'm thinking about kids and whatever, I want to be my very best self for my kids. And I know that like you always go through three years and like it's gonna be hard and whatever. But I just feel like the more kids I add, the less I'm going to be able to be patient and kind and loving and all those things. And so I'm quite personally just very scared of adding lots and lots of kids because I just, I want to be the very best that I can be. And I feel like if I add more kids, like if I add more, like responsibilities or things in my life I just won't be able I won't be good enough I've shared that before that's one of my biggest fears is not being good enough and I just feel like if I have a ton of kids I won't be good enough so I don't know probably definitely at least one more from there no clue having to go to work, come home, take care of the kids, keeping the house clean, like, cooking dinner for everybody, like, just having all that time, and then, like, also finding time for yourself, and, like, for the marriage, that really stresses me out. Um, just thinking about yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I work, I, I work part-time, so I, I'm just two days a week, and, yeah, the, the two days I do work, even when I am home, I mean, it is a lot of dying to yourself once again and being selfless because I, I never do a chore or I never do anything that goes not interrupted. Like everything I do, I, it's always interrupted because oh, you're someone, always carrying a kid. Because doing, yeah, because someone needs handle. something. Um, I don't know, but at the end of the day, because I definitely had that fear too. Like I've always, I mean, I loved like playing Barbies growing up and I always had like huge families. I always like wanted a big family, but the thought of um, you know, it's, it's a lot of God gives you that grace and that, you know, at the end of the day, I had a long day, you know, I worked, I sit down and like, it's so rewarding. Does that make sense? Like the reward from it, from seeing your kids at night, you know, finally they're in bed, <laughs> they're asleep, like seeing that reward um, that you have these little angels, <laughs> sometimes angels, um, <laughs> it just kind of reverses it all. I don't know. The feeling kind of goes away of being stressed and being I mean, yeah, I definitely yeah. have those days quite often. <laughs> so I um, I genuinely believe that, especially when you have kids, the Lord just gives you extra energy. That sounds like so, like... It sounds so strange. It's true. And it sounds it is super, so like, true. hippie, weird. But I genuinely so believe true. it. Because there are, there are days when I'm like, how in the world? Yeah. Like, the past few days, I've slept maybe a total of eight hours since Thursday. Oh, God. <laughs> 
how am I standing and teaching yeah. and putting sentences? Like, it's, yeah, what? Yeah. I genuinely believe the Lord just gives you the energy you need as long as you're focused on him. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds weird, but it is really hard. <laughs> so my, right after Luke was born, I did maternity leave for nine weeks. And then I worked full time for a month. And then I've been a stay-at-home mom since. Stay-at-home mom is the best thing ever. <laughs> Highly recommended to anyone who really just wants to be at home with their kid. Um, but it was the hardest month ever. So I was still pumping. Thing. And if you don't know what that is, you're just making milk for the kid with a machine instead of the kid attached to you. Hopefully that's okay to say on the podcast. If it's not really <laughs> edited out, sorry. Um, here's how my day went. I would wake up at 4 a.m., pump for 20 minutes, clean up, whatever, get everything ready, all of Luke's stuff to drop off with the people he was staying with, all of my stuff for work, lunch, David's lunch, everything, make sure everything was ready. Wake Luke up, pump again at 6 while I'm feeding Luke a bottle, leave immediately after then to go drop him off where he's supposed to go, drive up to the north side, to Carmel, where I work, get there just before 8, pump at 8, 10, 12, 2, 4, leave at 4.30, get home, grab Luke, come home, pump at 6, 8, Luke would go down probably right about 8-ish, eight, 8, 7 to 9, whatever. Pump at 10, pump at midnight, wake up at 4. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so hard. During, so during that period of time, that month especially, and the couple of months right after Luke was born, we did not um, – our clean clothes were not put away. There was a dirty hamper and a clean mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, David – I don't have the capacity to put away clothing, but I will make sure it is clean. So I literally put stuff in the laundry, got it out of the dryer, and just dumped it on the floor. (laughs) It's like, this is the clean pile. If you want to put it away, go for it. But I don't have the energy to. And he was like, I don't really care. As long as I know where the clean stuff is, I'm good. Which, that's just how David is, and that's fine. Um, But like she said, you you just kind of pick and choose what's important. And I don't know. I genuinely believe God gives you the energy that you need. Even like I'll be at the grocery store after work and I'm exhausted, but I don't have to go home and take care of anybody. Right. I'll like see moms in their work uniforms and like mm-hmm. you just worked an eight-hour day. Like I would yeah. be taking a nap right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you you also learn like what is really important to you. Like, is it really important that you get up two hours early and do a complete and total shower and exfoliate and shave your legs and deep condition and all the things and then curl your hair and then do a full face of makeup and then pick out your outfits up like. Is that really important anymore? Right. Things like that. Or is it really important? Right. And some days... I mean, yeah. That's what I got two days, hours before. Some days it is important. But you... Like, all of the things in your life like that, you're like, is it really important that I make a gourmet, super healthy, hits all the food groups, keto, grain-free, dairy-free, super healthy meal? <laughs> or is frozen pizza going to do the trick? Chicken, you know? Chicken nuggets and hot dogs. Chicken nuggets and hot dogs. <laughs> Um, but also like you, you're going to have a spouse. And so, so like I, I work part time cause I love what I do and not everyone has, you know, sometimes both people have to work to make yeah. it by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so the days I do work my two days a week, um, Dustin is in charge of dinner that night. So then there's, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to do dinner tonight. So whatever he decides, if it's frozen chicken nuggets, great, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't have to worry about it. So mm-hmm. it is a partnership. Yeah. It gets better when there's a buddy. Yes. <laughs> yes. What would you say the hardest part of time period of your marriage was? Has been? I'll go first. I have an answer. Um, we had a period of time, and it started 
three and a half, four months right after we were married, um, there was a lot of conflict in my family. And so we were, um, so it's not conflict that I'm super comfortable sharing. So it was just deep. It was just so awful. And so there was a period of time where we weren't speaking to my family at all. Um, and, um, I had to work through a lot of things that David couldn't really help me work through because they were super, super personal things that like, I don't know. And it, it was so hard, right? I had to work through these things by myself and the things I was working through affected David and affected our marriage. And it was just really, really, really hard. Um, and I know that's not super specific, but that's okay. Um, but we just had to literally go back to like marriage 101 and like communicate and like, okay, I'm going to cry, but I don't, I don't know why I'm going to cry. So give me 20 minutes and I'll figure it out. And then maybe I'll talk about it. But if I'm not ready to talk about it, I need you to not or whatever. So the, and I know this is a terrible <laughs> explanation, but it was so hard because I had to work through it myself within a marriage. Does that make sense? That was, that was the hardest for me because, and as I was pregnant at the time, so I was doing that. And when you're pregnant, you're, <laughs> you're doing it with, you're doing it with your husband, right? But you're growing the kid. You have to feed it. You have to, like, it's a very, you feel very, right, yeah, right here, drained, you feel very emotionally yeah. drained. And sometimes you just feel very alone. And that's just the nature of it. And it's fine. But I just felt super emotionally alone anyways, because I had to work through all this stuff by myself. And so it was the hardest thing ever because I couldn't. And sometimes maybe it's just that I didn't lean on David for that. And so that's probably what made it so hard is because I was doing it by myself in marriage. Does that make sense? Mine was probably our first, and I don't even know how to talk about this without going into too much detail, kind of like what you just said. Right, right. Our first, like, two years of marriage was, it was a lot of arguments and you know, all, all that, the fun stuff of living with someone new. Um, when sin comes in and is exposed uh maybe a, a year in this is kind of also why i wanted to what why i was talking about being selfless and just like i there's a part here that i didn't mention but just like no matter what happens in your marriage like every marriage is going to have a hardship a bump in the road something come up so something came up and having to still love your spouse um, even though they might have hurt you um, and show them the love like Jesus wants you to. It's, it's very hard, um, but once that is exposed and you can get through that trial together, um, so yeah, maybe like a year in was, I mean, yeah, the whole first year was just like, who? <laughs> yeah. But once that uh, problem was resolved and then we worked together, that's just the biggest thing. Um, yeah, maybe because you weren't, relying on David as much or, mm -hmm. you know, if you're kind of like trying to do things your own way is, um, yeah, definitely work together. But, and this isn't to say that your first year of marriage is going to, no, it's no. super fun. Like, it it's is. Awesome. It is. But yeah, it's just the whole learning to live together and yeah. all that too. So yeah, probably the first year was a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say that, that the first couple of years are the hardest Yeah, and it's because you're learning how to mm -hmm. live with someone. You're relearning how to be patient, how to communicate, how to be, be selfless, selfless, how yeah. to be kind, how to love. Even if you're already good at those things, you go home at night to your own space. Mm -hmm. You can like decompress by yourself. It's different when there's somebody else. Yeah. Always in your house, in your bed. 
you have to sleep with. <laughs> right, right. You just have no to cash. relearn how to do those things for yourself. Do you have other questions? I always have other things that I can say, so. <laughs> I, it's not a secret I like to talk. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple things to say. Um, we, everybody gives you advice when you're getting married, right? Can I give you my, you know, my best advice for you? It's coming. Everyone will give it to you. But we got two of the very best pieces of advice I think um, we could have gotten from Ken Dalton. And I'm pretty sure he's said these before. Um, the first one, you should never have a third party in your marriage, right? So I'm going to use you as an example. Okay. So if David and I are struggling with something, I shouldn't go to Shelby and be like, oh my gosh, David is doing this, it's horrible, this is blah, 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 and just totally bashing on David, and she'd be like, you should do this, and this is our, or whatever, and she, should, she shouldn't feed my anger, right? I also shouldn't go to her and be like, so we're really struggling with this thing, what do we do? Like, I don't know if I haven't talked to David, if we haven't worked it out. Marriage counseling is a different thing, right? If there's something fundamentally wrong and you need help working through it to save a marriage, that's fine, right? Biblical marriage counseling. But if you are constantly sharing your issues with everyone else instead of going to your spouse, if you are constantly telling everyone else what your problems are instead of looking to your spouse to fix them, that's a problem. And it's really hard because we like, we're, we're girls. We like to talk to each other, right? Your best friend, though, should no longer be like Shelby, right? My best friend should be David, and that's fine. My best friend should no longer be my mom. It should be David, and that's fine, right? Those things you share with your spouse. There are some things you just aren't going to share with other people, and that's okay. You don't have to share everything with everyone and be everyone's best friend and tell everyone everything. It's okay. Shelby and I are really good friends. We hang out a lot. There was a week I think we pretty much hung out every day. We're close to it. Yeah. Or as parts of our family. We're really good friends. But there are things about my marriage I'll never know, and things about her marriage that I'll never know, and that's fine. I don't need to be a third party in your marriage. And I'll give you an example. Um, Six or seven months into our marriage, someone came to me and said, hey, I want to have you over for dinner. I want to ask you some questions. I was like, okay, well, let me see David's schedule and get back to you. And they were like, no, 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 just you. And I was like, what? This doesn't really make sense. What do you want to talk about? And they wanted to ask me questions that they didn't feel that I could answer honestly with David present. Red flag. So I was like, I'm sorry. Um, if you want to have that conversation, David needs to be there. They, they wanted to ask things like, um, does, what does David do to date you every day? And why did you choose to have a child at the time that you did? And things like that. Things that are, we're either working on or things that were our decision and those sort of things. So that's what, to me, a, an example of a third party has looked like. I literally told this person, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to be a third party in my marriage. These are things that David and I discuss and work through. So there's an example of that. So you don't want that. The other thing is your marriage should never be 50-50. Right, and when Ken said that, I was like, I know how the math works here. I'm gonna get shorted. This is gonna be awful. But then he finished the sentence and he said, Your marriage should always be 100 100. So if your mindset is 50 50, you are going into your marriage um, ready to do half the work, take half the fault, take half the responsibility, do half of what is needed. Right, you're willing to do the dishes, but not the laundry. You're willing to cook dinner, but not clean it up. Right, you're not willing to do everything that it takes. And if your marriage is 100-100, you are willing to give everything, do everything, take 100% of the responsibility, do 100% of the changing if there's a problem, take 100% of the fault. And that's a concept that I didn't really understand when he told it to us, but it makes a lot of sense when you're in marriage. You figure out what that means. Um, 
So I guess I won't really go into it because you'll figure it out when you get married someday. Um, but that's the best advice. And Ken says this from the pulpit all the time. Like, um, if you ask him about all their disagreements, he'll say every single one was his fault. And Kathleen will say every single one was her fault. So that's a good mindset to have. Anybody have questions? I have one last thing to say if you don't. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything? No, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so as we talk about, oh, perfect. It's 11.08. We'll finish up. So as we talk about marriage, um, wherever you're at in your life, right, the reason, part of the reason we shared our stories is because your story, you're at the time in your life where your story is possibly starting or there are pieces there and you have no idea yet, right? God is working. And you guys have talked a lot about this when we've talked about um, being anxious and worrying and God's plans for us. Um, God is working and you just need to wait to see the result. So while you're single or while you're just dating or whatever, it's very, very easy to think things like, God forgot about me. Or why is God giving everyone else what I want? Or why is God answering everyone else's prayer requests but not mine? Or even things as mean as, she's not even Christian. Why does she have a boyfriend? It's very easy to think things like that and to forget that God is working. But God is actively working on your plan right now. And I know that doesn't make sense. I know you probably are like, okay, Andrea, whatever. <laughs> but as when I say those things every week, I give you proof of my own life. So I'm going to do it again. My marriage would not exist if two generations ago, my dad's parents didn't get divorced. I can trace events from my dad's parents' divorce two generations ago in their lives, in my life, in David's life, things that had to happen for us to meet, for us to get together, for us to all the things. <clears throat> I can walk you through it later if you don't believe me. But God is working on your plan already. He probably started on your plan when he made Adam and Eve. Does that make sense? So I know that it's not super encouraging to be like, God's working on it, but he really, really <laughs> is. And I can right, and I can tell you some of, if you really don't believe me or you're like, I really need an example, I can tell you everything about it later. Um, he's working on it. That being said, you shouldn't try to figure it out. You shouldn't try to be like, that's the one. Like, God's going to have me, me marry this Dustin kid. I just know it. Like, we're just going to see. We're going to wait and see. Because the second you think you have it figured out, God's going to be like, no, 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 no. You're focusing on yourself. Let's bring it back to me here, right? I was engaged previously. You guys know this. I was committed. I was had a venue booked. I was ready to marry this guy. Nope. The Lord said, that's not the plan for you. Turn around. You have to go the other way. And I'm married to the guy that I've had a crush on since five. The guy <laughs> whose name is literally all over all of my elementary and middle school prayer <laughs> journals. <laughs> quite embarrassing but it's pretty cute um and I have wonderful extended family I have wonderful all of these wonderful things that I would not have had if I had done it the way I thought God wanted for me right and in that relationship I wasn't super super focused on God anyways he was kind of on the back burner he was there but he wasn't the focus so God was obviously like no no that's not how we do things here so try again try again <laughs> so God is working on your plan whether you believe it or not he is working on it um, but you won't be able to figure it out until the moment he lets you, right? The moment she saw Dustin in church. The second I saw Dustin in his grandma's, or Dustin. Dustin. <laughs> I saw David in his grandma's backyard. I was like, this is it. And I, we can't describe the feeling accurately. God just yeah. kind of tells you. He's like, this is it, yep. right? Like, this is the one. And it's different than Hallmark movies. It's not like, my heart fluttered. And just, <laughs> the one. Maybe your heart will flutter. I don't know. But the Lord just kind of lays on you like, this is the plan. Um. So as you think about marriage and you look forward to those things, 
um, be encouraged that God is actively working on your plan. You are making decisions right now. Your future husband is making decisions right now to lead to you guys meeting, being together, and there's not a timeline for this, right? Shelby got married at 18. I got married at 22. I have friends that got married. Well, Marion got married at 30. Yeah. Like, there is not a timeline on this. Nope. The Lord's timeline is better than anything you could have imagined. Sarah and Abraham had a kid when Sarah was 90. <laughs> That's not the way it's going to work now. But <laughs> the point is, big life stuff happened to her when she thought she was too old for it. So, God's working on it. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll go ahead and pray and finish out for the day. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful time we have together every Saturday morning. Um, thank you for um, allowing Shelby and I to just share some things with these lovely women about what we've learned in marriage. Hopefully it was helpful. <laughs> Hopefully they know that marriage is really fun. It is awesome. It's not something to be afraid of, but it's something to be um, excited about and just understood that it's going to be awesome and hard at the same time. Um, please just bless these girls this week as they go forward and um, serve you. Amen. 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 That's all. <laughs>